another episode of Salvation Solutions, where salvation is a solution to every aspect of life. I am Aviance. I am Aramis. And I am Pastor D. So, ooh, oh, you're Pastor D today. Pastor D today, yeah, yeah. I you go through my, I go through my like different names. You know, get no, that title out well, well, because you know, people use it in a religious fashion, you know, but. Um, at times I feel like it's appropriate, you know, cause I'm not everybody it, just because I'm pastor D I'm not everybody's pastor. So everybody start calling you pastor when you first meet, wait, 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 I ain't your pastor. You know, I'm, I'm, only, <laughs> I'm only pastor if you follow him. If you ain't following, then I'm not pastor. That's how I feel about it. So I don't, I don't wear it as a, uh, as a name. Uh, but sometimes the title is, is more, it's more of a revelation of the, of the function of my life. So I function continuously as a pastor, I'm always, um, you know, you can slip in and out of pastor mode. You know, mm -hmm. I got my coach mode, I got my athlete mode, so I can slip in and out. But, you know, Pastor D is something that I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to using in forms like this, you know, just so people understand where I'm coming from. Okay. That's really why I, why I wanted to start using it in this form, because I'm coming in the, in the uh, representing salvation, representing Jesus, representing our faith, representing how what what I've been called to function, so I, I'll go with that more times than not. Now, if I'm in a different setting, Demaris, Demaris, yeah. so, just so we know, <laughs> our hundredth episode, we're gonna do a montage of all the different titles <laughs> that they take on. <laughs> we just go right, right, through. right. <laughs> right. So yeah, no, that's, that's really good because I think it was earlier this week. I was in my car and I had that thought. I said, you know, he don't he don't really do that pastor thing with no. as far as titles because I know right. how you feel about titles. Oh, you know how they go so, with the title thing i mean that's yeah. you know we got doc I, i'm reading somebody reverend dr bishop i'm like oh man it's too much <laughs> reverend dr bishop so man what's your name man oh, give me all that man. <laughs> brother like the high no biblically speaking the highest title we can have is brother and sister right right that's the highest title the highest title there's no higher title that i can have than to call you brother like that that's brother. relationship or well is that... it, it speaks to a, it's a degree of intimacy that God intends for us to have as a family, that nothing can supersede brother. That's like the highest title that we can have for each other is brother. You know, not get for distinction purposes of, of calling and function in the body of Christ. We have to have, you know, the different titles, but we've taken it now to a point. No, really, it's, it's, it's all about, listen, I told this to, to, to somebody this week. Wherever there's evil, wherever there's a perversion of a thing, What's the root cause of it? Money. The love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all. That's an incredible statement. It's the root of, it's the root. It's the difference between the root and the fruit. Mm. A lot of times we look at the fruit of something and we think it's the root, but it's not the root. Mm. It's just the fruit. We got, when you really want to get down to the bottom line to an issue, it's the love of money. All these titles in the body of Christ, it's about money. Because if I got a doctor before my name, I get more when I come in to speak. Yeah. If I'm just pastor, then I get a little less. Right. If I'm if I'm Dr. Bishop, you know, so-and-so, I get a little more money. I can demand more money. So it's all economics. Mm, I feel someone will challenge you on that. Go ahead. I feel someone would say, you know, someone who's, and I'm going to just throw it out there, someone who's a pedophile, the root of that isn't money. Like some someone would actually say it's just the the perversion of sex. Right. You could go. You could, I can see that. I can see it in that case. Okay. I can see that. Say when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Right. You. I can see. I can see that. My point in saying that was wherever that you you start. You got to start at the love for the love of money. You got to start there. But then if it, if you start there, but and it leads you somewhere else, then obviously so that'll lead you somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, but I'm starting there. Like like is there is there any economic value to him or her? 
you know, pedophile doing that. Okay. Then we move on to the next thing. But well, you got to start there. So so how much is how much is to be said for having an equal understanding of who God is and who Satan is? Because I feel like if we understand who, you know, the nature of Satan and who Satan is, we understand that he can't create life. Right. He can only, uh, you know, pervert, imitate. Right. right. And, and so in understanding that we, we begin to see the connection of, okay, well, everything that's evil in the world is a perversion of the original intent of a thing. Right. No, that's good. They say the greatest act of deception Satan has ever pulled off is to get people to believe he don't exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that being the case, now everything get blamed on God. Right. Right. And then after that is, once you acknowledge the fact that there is a devil and there is a Satan, now the deception is getting you to think he's more powerful than what he really is. Right. Right. So you get you get two different sides, right? You got one side that he tried to get you to think he don't exist at all. Now you blame God for everything. Now it's God's reason for it's raining. Now it's God's reason for whatever. They probably was God must be the word of God. No. But then once you believe it, now he tried to get you to think he's more powerful than what he really is. So that would allude to what you were saying, like like being able to distinguish, um, you know, the existence of Satan, the enemy, the devil, traducer, accuser, all the different names the Bible gives him. And then being able to understand the limitations of his power and his ability to affect and influence the life of a believer or non-believer, the atmosphere, society, things of that nature. There's certain aspects of evil or um things that take place in 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 the earth that he he don't have nothing to do with but sin itself has caused a um a degradation to take place it's called entropy we're in a situation now where everything that exists loses life as it goes on because we're on the other side of sin right so now everything dies there's death the earth is death ridden so now except something is energized or innervated or or um, brought life to, then it's going to eventually dissipate or die, right? So that's why we have to, as believers, we have to, death and life is in the power of the tongue. I believe the, word, the Bible puts death first for a reason, right? Because things have the propensity to die before they live. So you have to, you have to, you have to be forceful. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence are forceful about establishing the kingdom life and the kingdom order that God has given us. But to be able to distinguish between the ability that Satan has and what he don't have is crucial. It's crucial to being able to know what the will of God is about a particular matter and what the will of God isn't. You know, attribute to God, what should be attributed to God and attribute to the enemy or sin was to be attributed to sin. And that and once we're able to do that, now we're able to walk walk the life that God has called us to walk. Hmm. Before that's that, good. you got problems. Yeah. That's good. Let me see. Answers to everything, I tell you. <laughs> well, no, no, no. The Bible has answered everything. <laughs> that's what it is. So I love it. I so love it. I actually want to go back. So you're speaking about the the root of all evil is, is money. So some people will actually stay in a sense, in a mindset of poverty, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't want to, you know, become this thing that is evil because of money. But let's talk about um, how salvation is a solution to that whole mindset of poverty I'm still learning that poverty and how it's actually spiritual first before it's well again salvation being the solution to everything right so poverty poverty is is Satan like poverty like God God is not 
um, God is not the author, let's say like that, of poverty in one's life. God wants everybody to experience life and life more abundantly. Remember, we talked a couple of shows ago that the ultimate expression, revelation, unveiling, presentation of God was Jesus. If you want to know who God is, what God thinks, how God functions, Jesus in the in the unveiled or the new and the veiled in the old, Jesus is the is is the is the most clear and pristine revelation we have of who God is, according to Hebrews, the first chapter. When we do that, when we look at Jesus' life, now we can we can be definite about what is or what isn't God. So when it comes to poverty, if Jesus wanted to reveal God as the God who impoverished, who impoverishes people, then we'd have to, we'd have to see Jesus establishing poverty in somebody's life, right? If God wanted folks sick, we'd have to see Jesus putting sickness on somebody if that to, for that to be the will of God, right? So when it comes to, when it comes to um, poverty, poverty is Satan. When he was was tricked or deceived into thinking he can destroy the most, the most high God, according to Ezekiel, he thought he could overthrow heaven. Well, when he saw that the difference in the release of words that would bring about change and the release of words that didn't bring about change, they have to be rooted in love. That's why the Bible says we speak the truth in love. When you speak the truth in love, when you release words in love, they have the ability to change people from the inside out. Well, once he tried to do that and it didn't work, he lost everything. He became poverty. He became impoverished. He then brought that to earth and sin and that 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 virus was injected into mankind and society. And so poverty is where Satan wants you to end up. It's how he wants you to live. That's why he comes when he comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. Those are the three degrees of poverty. The Bible talks about those are three degrees of poverty. Remember, everything has a degree to it. Those are the three degrees to steal, to kill, to destroy. To steal means to felch. It means to slowly steal from you and take from you to the point to where you become you, be, you become impoverished um, in, in right in the midst of time and you don't even realize it, it means to felch. It means to take away slowly. It means to, to steal. Uh, it means to it means to to seize. There's a time when he will aggressively take from you, right? He wants to take everything from you. He wants to he wants to rip rip things right right out of your hand. And then that word steal, kill, destroy, it literally means to, to bring to an end. It means to obliterate. It means to, to destroy you, to kill you, to eliminate you, to annihilate you. So those are the three aspects of poverty. Well, Jesus, as we see, came to do the opposite. He says, but I am come. Like we know what the will of God is. I am come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. And we know those are four, the four phases to that life is loving, creating, producing, and served by selling. Right? He wants us, he wants us wealthy. The solution to poverty is inside is found in salvation. As you just mentioned, poverty is a spirit. So the solution is spiritual first. Mm -hmm. Ephesians, the first chapter, gives us a revelation of how to become wealthy spiritually and to become wealthy in spirit. Uh, I got my phone. I want to read it. Um, because this is this speaks to the wealth that comes with that comes with salvation 
And it's important for us to know exactly what those things are. And I won't go through all of them, but I'll just give give just a few examples of what some of these things are. But we see it, we see it in uh, Ephesians, the first chapter, the third verse. It says, Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. That word blessed there has to do with um, we just did a we just did a series on on the commanded blessing uh, that speaks to the to the third degree of the blessing. But that word blessed there, it, it literally means uh, an empowering. It means it is it's, it's where we get the the idea of the benediction from when we speak words of empowerment over people, right? So he says, blessed. So we're empowered. He's empowered us with all or every spiritual em- empowerment or blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this speaks to the wealth, the spiritual wealth that God has given us. It says, according to as, first thing is chosen in him before the foundations of the world is to be holy and to be blameless is to be predestined is to be adopted as sons and daughters. Is to is to is to be accepted in the beloved. Is to be redeemed. Is to be forgiven, and to be full of grace. So we have nine different things mentioned that speaks to the wealth of the believer. And let's just take chosen. The idea of being chosen. And let's think about some of the people who we know were chosen in the Word of God. You start with Jesus. He was chosen. So you know you know the glory in that. But let's look at some other people who we might feel like we can relate to. Let's start with David. David was chosen. Right? He wasn't chosen for poverty, though. Right? He was chosen to be a king. David was chosen. Solomon was chosen. The wealthiest and the wisest man ever walked the face of the earth. Abraham was chosen. Noah was chosen. Like when you think about being chosen, like that's 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 monumental. Like when you listen, when I know I'm chosen, listen, the Bible says we were chosen in him. Before the foundations of the world. We are chosen. Like when you talk about being chosen, I'm talking about being a mighty, a warrior. I'm talking about being somebody like a David, somebody like a Solomon, somebody like a Noah, somebody who, who, who impacted society. When you talk about being chosen, this I'm unstoppable. God has chosen me. You couldn't stop David. You couldn't stop Solomon. You couldn't stop Noah. I don't care. Everybody in the, everybody in the whole world was against Noah. But you couldn't stop because he was chosen. When we think about being chosen, Joseph was chosen. Like his brothers tried to sell him off. Tried to kill him. They tried to put him in prison, but he was chosen. So he made his way to the top. Yeah. When you're talking about chosen, you're talking about something powerful. See, that's wealth. That's real wealth. When I know I'm chosen, listen, can't nobody stop me when I when I go to start my business. Can't nobody stop me. Like, can't nobody stop me when I when I'm chosen. If I'm if listen, when it comes to relationships, if, if I'm the one she chooses, man, I don't care who walk in front of you. You can bring them, you can bring, you can bring whoever. But she done, I'm chosen, she done chose me. Like when she chooses me, listen, I don't care who's standing behind me. You can put anybody behind me, but she chose me. So when you chosen, man, when God chose you to do a particular thing, man, it's done. Forget about it. That's wealth. When you when you get that kind of wealth, man, poverty, enemy can't do nothing with you. Right? When you know you're confident, you bold, you brash, you got this aura about you, you got this thing about you, you got that it factor when you know you're chosen. That's just one aspect of our spiritual. I can go on and on and on. That's just one aspect. So being chosen is the beginning of us walking in the spiritual wealth that God has for us, knowing that you're chosen. Peter talked about being chosen. He said, you're a chosen generation, right? We're a chosen generation. We're chosen. Peter was basically saying, you're unstoppable. You're indeclinable. You're unreprovable. Ain't nothing nobody can do with you, but you, you got to know you're chosen. You got to believe in you being you're chosen. Now, they, they can challenge it. They can call you out on it. They can get you to, get you to doubt it. But man, if you hold on to being chosen, you get full off of being chosen. Now that's the wealth you need to go out there spiritually 
to build the wealth you need, right? So when I when I grab hold of the revelation that I'm chosen and I see the aspects of what that means to be chosen, now I can look at those lives and I can glean from those lives of men who God has chosen. That thing begins to fill me up in my spirit, man. Now my soul, my will, my mind and my emotions, my thoughts begin to be different now. When I grab hold of this revelation and the truth that I'm chosen, that's gonna produce thoughts of being chosen. So thoughts of, of winning, thoughts of overcoming, Thoughts of conquering, thoughts of accomplishing, thoughts of defeating, thoughts of thoughts of me now being successful. That's going to produce a whole new line of thought, line of thinking. That's going to make me feel and become more passionate about who I am and what I can accomplish and what I can do. And that's going to give me a determination to get it done. Mm. Beloved, above all things, I wish that thou would prosper and be in health as thy soul doth prosper. I just gave you three examples of soul prospering. Man, the other, the other, the other aspects of that is easy now. Once I get my spiritual wealth, once my soul is prospering, whatever I decide to do to, to create revenue streams and build income, when I function as an entrepreneur, which is the ultimate calling of the believers is an entrepreneur, now, now I become sex, successful. When John was writing that to, um, who was he writing it to? Gaius. That word, beloved, above all things, I wish you would prosper and be in health. As thy soul doth prosper, that word prosper, that means to be successful in business. Like, that's the will of God for us to be successful in business. It's one of the one of the only times that word is translated prosper, is to be successful in business. He says, above all things, I want you to prosper and be successful in business as your soul prospers. The key to soul prosperity is a revelation of your spiritual wealth that God has given us, which we find there. And we just found the beginning of it in Ephesians, the first chapter. And we've done a whole uh, teaching on it, but just that one aspect of being knowing you're chosen. Man, you're chosen, man. Listen, in other words, if God choose me and you don't, you're lost. Right. Right. That's how you got to look at it. If God choose, if God has chosen me, but you don't choose me, man, you lost. That's why D can walk into a room. Man, listen, <laughs> that's why, listen. <laughs> they don't favor me. Is something wrong with them? Something, what, what's wrong with you? You, you don't know God. God favors me. And they're going to miss like, out on you. Like God. Listen, and, and I'll tell you something. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Baby. No, no, you're right. They're going to miss out on D. You're right. That's how they look at it. No, listen, listen. We were watching this new movie. I, I, I don't know if it's new or not, it was just, but but it just came out on Netflix last night. Mom, Mom oh, what's it called? Mama? Ma something? Yeah. I'm uh, sorry, I can't think of the name of it. But um, It's a scary movie? Or? No, it's, no. It's, it's the last movie with Chad, Chad Bo Bozeman. Bozeman. Oh. Right. So, yeah. so, so Brother Bozeman had a, he had a, he had a scene in there where, where he was, he was going off on God because, and I don't want to tell a movie, but everybody might not have seen it yet, but there's a scene on there where he was expressing his doubt and his anger at God because of some things that happened as, you know, as it pertains to black folks being enslaved and being treated the way they've been treated. Like he was questioning, like, God, what, what, I mean, where are you? Like, like, where the hell you been? Like, where you at? Right. And so I understand that. I understand that. I understand that. I understand that 100%. Right. Um, but what's going to overcome that is knowing that you're chosen. Right. When you, when you understand that you're chosen, when you know that you're chosen, right? When God has chosen us in spite of, in spite of the things that that seemingly looks like from the outside, God allowed it to happen, right? But we're still chosen. The one thing that plagues black America is recognizing that God has chosen us. See, he, he, he got to the point in the movie where he expressed so much anger that he didn't even want God to love him. But I, if, if God has shared anything into my, in my heart these last several months is that he has a 
an insatiable love, undeniable love for black America. I'm talking about he loves black America and, and white America. You need to you need to receive it and get a hold of it and, and join God in loving black America. Church, white church, you get it, get in line with loving God is he's on fire. I'm talking about he's on fire right now for black America. Right. And if you don't do right by black, black America, you're going to have to deal with you're going to have to deal with God. Right. And I want that. I want to echo that. I want to say that. I want people to hear that, that it is black America's chosen time. We are a chosen people. We are royal people. We are holy people. We are God-ordained people. And God is ready to retribute, reparate, repair, esteem, uh, lift up, motivate, inspire, and use black America to the, to the, for the purpose for which he raised us up and brought us here to America. Right? That, that, is, that, is, that is how God feels about us. You know, and it came to me last night as I, as I was watching Brother Bozeman, you know, play out his part. I mean, which he did a tremendous job in. But I understand the, the mindset. But no, we have to we have to combat that. We're letting black America know you are chosen. We are chosen people. We are chosen ethnic. We are chosen. We are unique. We are a we are a people who are who who's very who's very um, uh, exceptional. Right. We got to combat that idea of not being chosen with what's being chosen, you know? And so that, that's how you, that's where we begin with poverty. It's dealing with it at the root and the root of it is spiritual. When we read Ephesians, the first chapter, I think it goes all the way down to the 13th, 13th verse. Man, it's powerful. It's powerful. But the solution to poverty is Ephesians 1, 3. It's salvation. And that's salvation. Once we get that done, now that'll spill over all into everything we do. Yeah. Right? Our relationships is something we wanted to talk about. Yeah. You know what? And it's so interesting because I actually had entrepreneurship on my mind, which is why I wore the shirt today is generational wealth for me <laughs> um, because yeah. I just really want to get into that into that mindset because I know that that's really something that God is wanting for all of us. Right. Speaking of that, speaking of that. Right. You bring that up. Right. We're going to blame Aviance for this this next episode. Uh, right? I'm good. I, I, you know, I we're going to blame, we're gonna blame go her for this. Right. So <laughs> so so you think generational wealth. Right. God is so against generational poverty that he established a national holiday. He established a national festival for us to celebrate. He established a, 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 uh, a event that was so powerful, but it was God's way of breaking the curse of generational poverty. We call it Jubilee. Jubilee was God's way of breaking generational poverty. Every 50 years, if someone had to sell their land, sell their children, put themselves and the children and the family into, into slavery to make up for debt or whatever, pay off debt or whatever, everything was returned back to them after 50 years. It, it was actually, it was actually, they hit the reset button and everything went back to the owners. Now they were back in business. Now the children who was being affected by the father's mistake don't have to deal with that anymore. Now they can say, daddy, back up. We got it. We got it. You messed it up last time. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Right? No, but that was God's way of dealing with generational poverty. Right? Entrepreneurship is God's way. We know that. God, God is an entrepreneur. Jesus was an entrepreneur. Believers are an entrepreneur. Disciples was entrepreneurs. Like we 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 are entrepreneurs by now. Life is one big entrepreneurial endeavor. Like life is life is a business, whether folks realize that or not. Right? We really get into this in our building world Godway portal where we present. God is an entrepreneur and we let you know God wants you to be an entrepreneur, right? You can be an entrepreneur on the job in the, within the company. You can think entrepreneurially though. Entrepreneurially is a spirit. 
Entrepreneurialism is a spirit. Entrepreneurship deals with how you function and operate as a business-minded person. Don't think entrepreneurship means you got to own your own business. That is the apex of it or the ultimate expression of it. But entrepreneurialism is a spirit and that spirit comes from God. And we got to be thinking multiple revenue streams, entrepreneurship. So God is anti-generational poverty, but he's all for entrepreneurship and generational wealth. But because of what black America has been through, you know, the past 400 years, we've haven't had the opportunity to establish the entrepreneurial spirit the way to the degree that we should or be able to pass along our generational wealth the way God would have us pass on generational wealth. But again, all that's coming to an end and that's why we wrote the book and, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, that's it. Relationships. All my fault. Right. We put that on our relationship. I do want to say though, I think it would be awesome if you even go through uh, each week why each of those. Oh yeah. All right, yeah. No, we yeah, can touch on that. So you, know, you just got to remind me, right? Right. You just got to remind me. Because <laughs> we, we, we something new. <laughs> right. We can touch on, you know, being chosen. Was it chosen? Then being holy. Oh, being holy. Oh, my goodness. Don't start. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. Very, very good. Very well. So speaking of being chosen, though, so you did say while you were explaining the, the aspect of chosen, how if a woman was to choose me, I ain't got to worry about anything. You ain't got to worry about it. So let's go into our relationship section. And we're going to actually start with my brother, Aramis. So um, why don't you tell the people what was on your mind today? So I, I think, and from what I've noticed, I, I've, I've been friends with a lot of people who are in relationships and, and going through hardships in their relationships. And the, the one thing that I've noticed that, that really I would like to touch on the, the, the root of the issues that they're facing, that, that, that they're facing Um I want to deal with the concept of pride in relationships. I want to I want to talk about what what pride looks like from a from a from a spiritual standpoint. I want to talk about what pride looks like from a from a, a physical standpoint and what it introduces into relationships that that creates this space that's not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that that I, I've heard a lot of, um, you know, when it comes to the concept of pride is, well, you know, when, when she gets it, when she gets it together, then I'll get it together. Right. You know, they, they, they make it a, a scenario where, you know, they're not the one with the initial issue. So they don't have to, you know, make the change first or they don't have to, you know, go the extra mile. Um, you know, I, I've always, I've always thought of relationships. Now, a lot of this before I knew the word, a lot of this was just kind of like, you know, head in the clouds. But I've always thought of love as as this this endeavor where you're just selfless, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what you, you just go all out as much as you can. You give whatever you have to give and you just leave it all out there. And if the person is for you, again, it's before I say if the person is for you, then they'll treat you the same way. You know, so so even in my marriage now, the way that I love, I, 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 I tend to love the way that I want to be loved, Amen. you know, and, right. and, and, and in order for me to receive, I have the mindset that I need to first give, right. You know, so, right. um, how, how would you categorize the, 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 the spiritual aspect of, of pride and how it affects relationships? Right. Well, when we first start talking about pride, we have to, we have to define it. 
right? So the, the ultimate or the apex definition of pride is to exalt your thought over God's thought. That would be the ultimate aspect of pride, to exalt your thought of yourself over what God has expressed he thinks about you, right? So obviously that would differ. There's a general aspect to that, but then that would differ with the individual uh, based off of, you know, what God has called them to do, who God has made them to be. But the, the foundation to that is thinking the thoughts about you that God thinks about you. Um, example would be, you know, God thinks of you as a conqueror. But if you don't think of yourself as a conqueror, that's actually pride. In, in, in almost in reverse form, right? Yeah, people don't realize they don't, they don't realize that. Yeah. For you to think of yourself as when God calls you the heal, but you think of yourself as the sick, that's pride. You know, God, God thinks of you as the righteous, but you think of yourself as the sinner. That's pride. People actually say that's, that's humbleness. Too. Right. They think that's humility, but yeah. it's not. Humility is accepting God's thought about you. Right. So humility would be if God says that I'm a winner, then I, I think I'm a winner. And I, and I go around saying, you know, I'm a winner. I'm going to win today. Yeah. That's not pride at all. But some people look at that. Oh, he's so proud. He's, he prophesied he's going to win. Well, wait, God prophesied it too. <laughs> he said the same thing. Right. Right. So we got to be able to understand that aspect of, of pride because most folks got it flipped. They got it flipped. Right. So when you're talking about relationships and you're talking about being proud, it's thinking of yourself more highly then you should as it pertains to that relationship. And men struggle with this in most cases more than women because of the whole submission. <laughs> because of, well, because of the whole submission thing. We got that all screwed up, right? We, we've interpreted submission to mean I'm better than you. I'm more powerful than you. God loves me more than you, right? God wants me to have something that you don't have. God's given me a position that he hasn't given you. Well, well that, that, that's completely wrong. Right. right. There is a difference as far as structure um, when it comes to the man and woman, but it's more on the physical aspects, because physically a man is designed to be able to handle more than a woman physically. But when it comes to the spiritual, the emotional, the psychological, listen, there's some aspects where a woman supersedes is, can outdo a man. It's, 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 it's in a sense. So in a sense, a woman is whole and complete. Well, a man is incomplete. Mm. Right. A woman is whole. Why is it that a man is incomplete? Because the woman came out of the man. That left the man with an incompletion, with a void. Yeah. Whereas the woman is, is a whole. Yeah. She's whole. So when we, when, we, when we look at things now from that perspective, we see now why when, when, when it comes to relationships, most of the time, the issue <laughs> Listen, yeah. that it, it, it like it like so the only way the only way to fill the void though the only way to fill the void that was left by the woman is by the spirit of God. That's the only way that void can be can be filled. Now that's why that's why the the, the spirit of God was given unto us to make man whole. But in a sense, a woman is already complete. She actually completes the man. Actually, one of the Hebrew words for woman is completer, right? She's, she's, she's a completer, but, but the man has this, has this identity crisis, which makes him use the scripture to, um, exalt himself in a way that God never intended. Actually, the scripture says submitting ourselves one to another, right? So there's a degree of submission that I have to my wife. And there's a degree of submission that, that my wife has to me. It's about, it's about oneness. It's about coming together and working it out to where there's peace and there's order, right? There's certain things. Listen, when it comes to, you know, uh, how to operate in the kitchen. 
Listen, listen, I'm out the way. Listen, <laughs> I, what you say, go. When it, when it comes, hey, here's one, here's one. When it comes to the management, right? When it comes to the management of how we do things financially. Hey, listen, I back up. Right. I back up. Right. Now, not, 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 a lot of men won't think like that, but there's a place in the word of God where it says, where the, that says when you, when you got the one God has for you, when you, when, when God, when you love is the way it's supposed to be, he says, uh, Proverbs 31, a proverbial woman, husband trusts in her that he has no need of spoil. Mm. Right. I, I, I'm not worried about her robbing me and taking from me and doing, doing wrong for me about my money. Right. So I trust and I rest in that in that fact that, listen, in that truth, I should say that, you know, OK, we've made a decision equally that you're going to handle this aspect of the financial arena of our, of our life. OK, I'm submitted to her in that because we made a decision. Right. We, that don't mean we don't discuss it. We don't talk about it. We got a way we go about it. But we made a, a joint decision that, you know, you're going to control how that go down, how this go down, when we pay this, how we spend this. And yet, OK, but but. Do we have, and I'm going to use this word, the love to allow that to happen within our relationships, right? You know, so um, the pride the pride aspect comes from a misunderstanding of who it is, you know, God has made us to be and the, and the, and the structure of which God has given relationships to function, right? You know, so the Bible does speak about the man being the head and we are the head, but that head speaks more of a leadership. Yeah. It speaks more about leadership. Now, 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 there's another issue when you think about the idea of leadership. Biblically speaking, the leader of the greatest leader is what? The greatest servant. Yep. So, 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 man, you want to talk about lead? So you tell my servant of then. That's right. You tell my servant. That's right. Right. But, but in most people's mind, leadership means telling people what to do. Right. So you're going to tell her what to do while you sit back and do nothing. No, leadership is about serving. So, so if I'm going to be the head of the household, then my my focus is 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 to make is to make myself as easy as love to as easy to love as possible. If I'm going to serve, I'm going to make myself as easy to serve and to love as possible. But I'm going I'm going I'm going to work feverishly. I'm going to work feverishly to serve and be sure she got everything she need to be the woman she want to be. Right. So, you know, it's a lot that we have, we can go, go into, but the foundation of it, I believe is distinguishing between humility or, or, or getting right. The difference between pride and humility. And then when it comes to being ahead, knowing what that means, that speaks of leadership. Like I'm a leader in this thing. And, 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 and you talk to Jesus about it. He's going to say, listen, how I determine how good a leader you are is how well you serve. If you're just telling people what to do, get out of here. You ain't doing nothing. You ain't leading out. I ain't teach you that. You ain't get that from me. Where you get that from? <laughs> right. you, ain't, you ain't been reading your Bible, right? Well, it's interesting because I feel like in relationships to what you were speaking to, it's a lot of that monkey see, monkey do. You know, like I will only do what what I see you do. So if you if you love me, if you are kind to me, then I'll be kind to you. Then I'll be loving to you. So can you can you speak about how being the the leader, it 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 actually both male and female should be doing this. But can you speak about how it shouldn't be a monkey see monkey do, but how you should just be having that love from God and doing it first anyway? Right. Well, I would take that a step further if I okay. could. Shouldn't it? So, and we've talked about this a lot. Shouldn't that responsibility still fall on the man regardless? What? Should it? As far as what? As far as, as, far as how, how to... 
because and correct me if I'm wrong, what you're speaking to is a, is kind of a dictation of, of where the relationship is going to go based on the behavior that you create. Right. So shouldn't that responsibility still fall on the man as the leader? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Right. So so if I'm not I, I, I determine the course or the road that our love relationship goes down. Right. I, I determine that. Right. When, whenever God deals with a family or husband and wife, he's going to start with the man. That's just what he, the male. I'm saying, let me, I, I didn't say that right. The male aspect of the man, because remember, the man was both male and female. Right. They, and they become one. So he deals with the male aspect of the man. And, and then and then that that hopefully will lead uh, into the oneness that God has for, for the male and the female. So when you're talking about in that scenario, um, being a leader. And loving, loving, it's on, and if we look at it from God's perspective, it's on the man to be the leader or lead in loving. The Bible says this when it, when it talks about marriage. It, talk, it says this. It says, it says, um, it says for the husband to comfort the wife, right? The husband, because, because the idea of that is whenever a daughter was taken from her father, that was one of the that was one of the hardest things for the daughter is to leave the comfort and security and the provision and the protection of her father. And she would be she would be hurting and be frightened and be afraid. So now God's saying, listen, if I'm going to have her leave her father to come, to you, then you got to comfort her. You got to console her. You got to affirm her and you got to confirm her. Right. You got to do those things in our life. One of the first things God gave me, because I, I brought my wife from the comforts of her home in Chicago to Buffalo. Right. And God said, confirm, affirm and comfort to so do those three things. Confirm, affirm and comfort continuously. That's what I have to do. So I have to I have to comfort her and I have to cleave to her. For this cause shall the man cleave. Unto the woman, we got to cleave. We, is it, there's a cleaving that, that takes place that that we that men need to take the initiative in doing. I have to be the leader in loving in my household. I have to be the leader in communicating in my household. I have to be the leader in serving in my love relationship. I have to take that responsibility as a man. That is the issue when it comes to being um, a, a, a married and a leader. Like I'm gonna lead in loving. Like I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna I'll love you. Like I'm making all the competition. I'm going. I'll love you. I even say love you more. You say you love. Love you more. <laughs> I love Kaylee you more. hates when I say. I, I started doing that love out of nowhere. More. I didn't even know you did that. Yeah, That's yeah. crazy. And Kaylee used to get mad because what, what do you say to that? And I, I said there's something you can say to that, but I, no. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. I make it. I make it a love. I call it love games. I call them love yeah. games. I'm going. I'll love you. I'm going. I'll love you. I'm not going to let you out love me. I'm going to love you more. Yeah. I'm going to love you more. Jada hates when I say that to my daughter. I'm, I love it. I love you more. Dad, no, I love you more. <laughs> I'm going to make said. sure you know I love you more. Right. Like, if, if as, as a husband, I have that mindset. And as a wife, you have that mindset. Whew, you talking about, you talking about, you talking about an explosion. So then in scripture, did I cut you off? No, I was just okay. going to say like a, a key example to that real quick. Like I guess when you did I, cut when, him off. <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess so. I guess, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's the pop day in me. That's the pop <laughs> so, so just just a prime example, real cool. When I called you earlier, first right. thing I said to him was, 
We need to thank oh, God for our yeah, 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 yeah. What you need? What's what up? Need? Wait, like yeah. there, there was a change in his voice. <laughs> exactly. There was there was a there was an emphasis on I, I'm I'm ready. What's yes, up? Tell me yes, what you yeah. need. I love being needed. I love being used. Just use me. I don't care. <laughs> no, God. He said. Paul. I was, I was reading this week. Paul says, uh, "Everything God has given us is for you. Like everything God has given me." Paul was saying, "It's for you. This ain't for me." All the favor, all the all the influence, all the power, all the all the wealth. God, he give he give him three to give. Like that. That's so. That's the mindset. So yeah, right. But you was gonna say something. Ah, oh, see, now I have another thought. Now that you said that, go, oh. go with it. Go with it. <laughs> you go with it. Right now, I feel terrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so let me just get out my two thoughts then. So yes. my first thought is that um, Bill Johnson. Right. Okay. Something that he said, he's I and hopefully I'm quoting him right and I'm not mixing it up. But I think he said to have the spirit within me is for me, but to have the spirit on me is for you. So give me tell me your thoughts about that. And then my second thought, going back to my original thought is in the Bible, it says wives love your husband. So some people really feel as if it's the wife's responsibility to bring that love within a relationship. Right. Well, wait, I don't okay. know if you quote that right. OK. It says, it says husband love your wives as Christ loved the church. Are you thinking you might you you might you might be going to NIV piece? You might be going to NIV piece. You might be going to NIV. No, but you wrote it on yourself, sis. I don't know what you want. You might be going to NIV piece. But but the Bill Johnson thing, right? So Bill Johnson is right on with that, right? So so the Bible speaks of three the three degrees of anointing. There's the inward, um, there's the outward, or there's the upon, and then there's the for service. The, the one that comes upon you for a service. Uh, then there's the one that comes upon you for um, personal um, ability. Then there's the anointing within you that deals with the internal aspects of who you are. So um, it's in you, it's upon you, then it's upon your work. So it, it, in that in that a aspect. So he's right on with that. Um, secondly, um, the Bible, <laughs> I don't recall. I mean, what you said isn't wrong. Let me say it like that. The the implication, the inference is all throughout the scripture for the for the wife to love the husband. Right. So we can't deny that. But the, the, the scripture that comes to my mind and it may be others, but the the scripture that comes to my mind is husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm not sure if that's the one you're referencing, but all the way back from the beginning, when you see God expressing how a woman would love her husband, we see it is. Your desire shall be for your husband, for the man in the beginning. That's what he told Eve, your desire. So so there should be a natural desire, an insatiable desire that a wife has for her husband. And I'm gonna put it in that context, right? Just so we just so we legal, right? Um, <laughs> that a woman has <laughs> that a woman has for for her for her for her husband. Um uh the Song of Solomon, right? Draw me, and I'll run after you. So there should always be a, a there, there should always be like a, 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 a the man wooing and the woman pursuing after the wooing, though after the drawing, right? And then we get over into you know uh, the new where Jesus talked about wives. Um, it says it says be in subjection, is submit. You know all of those are expressions of love. So what you said isn't wrong, but the specifics of that that I wanted to talk about was. And again, we don't have time to go into the depths of it, but the, the, the notion, the notion for the man to be compared, the husband to be compared to loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Do we realize what Christ gave up for the church? Do we realize the degree that Jesus loved the church and what he was willing to do for the church? And you got the nerve to be prideful and to 
I mean, the ultimate expression of humility came from Jesus. Like, like he knew who he was. But he said, no, I'm going to go down and be lowly like them. Right, so I'm not going to use my position or my authority to try to, you know, uh, wield my what I want in this relationship. You know, it's just not it's just not the way of love. It's not the way, you know, so I'm heavy. If you ain't picked up on I'm heavy, I'm heavy on the dude. Like all my girls call me when he messing up. Call me because it's your fault. <laughs> I don't care. She did what? Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's your fault. That's your fault. I learned that right? a long time ago. But because, I had no choice. No, because that's just, that's, if, you, if you're going to be the head, yeah. then you got to take responsibility. Like, that's your fault. Like, what didn't you do? Did you tell her enough? Well, yeah, I told her. Well, did you, how many ways did you tell her? Well, I only told her one way. Well, you got to do better. Right. You got to tell her three ways. So Whatever you got to do, it's on you. Well, right? you know what? That actually sounds like that could be a, a salvation solution to that whole pride thing, especially when it comes to, you know, a man, mm -hmm. I would say. I want to challenge you on something, though. That Let's you go. Said. Let's go. Okay. So I spoke to, to someone, actually the same friend that I was speaking to a couple of weeks ago, right. and he actually feels as if that's actually a curse for a woman where it where where you said that a woman's de desire like she she has a desire to please mm -hmm. her husband. He feels as as if that's actually a curse that was brought on after Adam and Eve did what they did because of the fact that we still have women today who are not married, who still have that desire, that strong desire to please a man that they do things as a wife and they're not. That's just as wrong as two left shoes. Okay. I don't again. I don't know why. I... Okay. So, 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 what he's talking about is reference to sin. The curse. The curse. Like, like. I don't even know. I don't. Even, I don't it's just certain things. I don't even. I don't even. I don't even know if it's worth answering. To be honest with you, but, but because it's you, Ivy, I'll do it. <laughs> but the curse. What he's referencing is the curse of sin as far as the inability to control our flesh. That's like, that's like the effects of sin. But when he's talking about the, um, uh, the, the desire, the desire for a woman to uh, love her husband wasn't, wasn't a, wasn't a, uh, a curse put on, given to put on the woman. Right. Okay. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. So he 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 wasn't speaking in the context of of husband, husband and wife. wife. He's he's just saying that from from the from the beginning, women have always had that desire to please a man, and because sin know how to how to pervert that. Right. Now we have women who just have the strong desire to be a wife, even when they aren't to a man. Right. Right. No, I get that, but again, that's, that's not still a perversion. No, that, well, that's still an effect of sin, though. Right. Self it's all about self-control. It's about being able to control the natural affections. That, that, oh, yeah. Right. So I believe prior to so so Jesus said this, right? Remember, remember in uh in Mark's gospel, they sent people to ask Jesus questions about marriage. He said, Moses gave us the a bill of divorcement to give our wife. You know, Moses legalized divorce, in other words, right? He says, he says, uh, what do you say about that, Jesus? And Jesus said, you do error not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God, right? Because they were asking him uh, something about, uh, um, uh, if, if uh, there's another aspect of it. I'm sorry, I'm, I might be mixing up two scriptures. We talked about uh, when they came to Jesus, asked him about a brother was married to a woman and he died. And his brother married him, you know. So that was yeah. culturally what was supposed to happen. I think I'm mixing that up. But there's another aspect where they asked Jesus about the, the the letter of divorcement that Moses wrote. Jesus' response was this: He says, He says, 
Moses wrote you that precept because of the hardness of your heart. But in the beginning, it wasn't that way. And then, then he went into quoting the scripture, God made them both male and female and said the two shall become one, right? Well, too often we don't go, we don't go far back enough. We don't repent. The word repent means to return to the original way. So we got to go back to how God originally thought about a particular subject matter. So when we go back and we think about the original way that God wanted man and woman to love each other, the woman had a natural desire to love Adam. So you can't say that's a curse, right? It's not a curse for a woman to naturally to love a man. I mean, that's, that's, that's just a part, that's just a part of the nature of loving, right? So that's the first thing. Let's just say if it was a curse, let's just say, if it, just, just, just say, just say for the sake of, sake of uh, simplifying this, let's just say if it was a curse. Well, guess what? Jesus done came. So what does that mean? The curse is broken. So that's over with. So now what? Now how do you explain it? Right? So the point is that there is the flesh that will explain the, or the lack of being able to um, control or buffet or mortify the lust of the flesh, as the Bible puts it. Uh, in, in that case, both, that, that works for both male and female. It ain't just about the female, right? Um, but then there's the aspect of the natural desire that like love and loving is, there's a natural desire to loving. There's a natural desire to love. Just like there's a natural desire to communicating. There's a natural desire to, you know, to shivery. There's a nat love has these natural components that express itself that expresses love in its own way. So, you know, in, in, in that case, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't agree with that portion of it. Um, but there was a natural desire that a woman has, you know, if a woman don't have the self-control to, you know, and then too, there's other things, there's other things. Like I was just in a, in a situation where I was, you know, talking to somebody about a young lady and she just, you know, something, something, some abuse took place when she was young. And that triggered a a um, a degree of um, uh, sexuality that that wasn't right, you know. It just uh, a promiscuity that just that just wasn't right. But it all was traced back to that that instance where she was abused. Yeah. So you in that case, what what did he say to that? <laughs> you know. So it's just so much that goes into that that you can't say that you know one thing is the trigger, right? So. I would just, I would deal with it like that. Okay. You got any other questions? You know, well, we never talked about what, what you, what you brought up about, um, on the ballers wives or what was it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Housewives oh, of Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, okay. Wife, yeah. Well, uh, this, this kind of goes along the same lines as what we talked about as far as, you know, space and relationship and, and, um, the, the, so the setting is there's a new couple on the show. They're celebrating their their sixth year anniversary of the marriage. And the husband uh, goes to the wife and says, you know, what are some things that you love about where we are right now after six years? What are some things that you believe can improve? It immediately goes to uh, a situation where she she brings up um, the concept of transparency, transparency. And she sets an example as uh, a few days ago uh, where he left the house, didn't tell her he was leaving, uh, ended up being out of state. And even after all that time of, of her wondering where he was, she still didn't know, even sitting at the table with him. So she's asking him, you know, where were you? Be honest with me. And uh you know, he's saying, well, what is me telling you where I was? How's that going to benefit you? 
That was his that, that was his mentality. And 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 what that really represented to me was just a a, 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 a level of it, it was a tactic to, to, to let pride kind of eat away at, at the love and, and keep him from being vulnerable and just being honest. Wait, so what does her knowing where you were got to do with her benefiting? What does that got to do with anything? He he the point that he was he trying being, to make being evasive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it was him trying to use whatever tactics he could to avoid a answering the question and b making progress, which would lead to her getting what she needed. Right. Right. You know, and and, and so that that was one of the reasons why I want to talk about pride today, because I saw that and it just it, I, I just shook my head. I couldn't I couldn't believe that that, you know, there's so much of this on TV. This yeah. this isn't the only housewives show. This is one in like well, 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 that goes to what we were talking about earlier. The one question that came up that I said I was was going to bring up with that uh, Steve Harvey said, and and yeah. and the gist of what what someone communicated to me that Steve Harvey said was that there's there's one there's a there is the woman or that woman or one woman that can bring out of a man a degree of intimacy that no other woman can bring out. And if you're with a man and you're not in that in, in that man is not exuberating or expressing that degree of intimacy maybe you not the one well i don't agree i don't agree with that at all that's her fault because that puts all the emphasis on the woman (laughs) (laughs) that puts it all on the woman when 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 and it goes back to what we were talking prior to the the show is is the notion of of loving because of and not in spite of Mm. or looking to the spouse to be the source of love instead of instead of looking to God to be the source of love, right? So the first thing we got to understand about love is God is the source of love. So whenever I want my love to increase for the person that I'm in love with, I don't look to that person to cause my love to increase. That's why the Bible says, Lord, make my love to increase and abound toward. Paul was actually praying for the church at Thessalonica. He said, make my love to increase and abound. He said, actually, make the Lord make your love to increase and abound for, for each other. See, if I want my love to increase for my spouse, children, whoever, then I pray to God, Lord, Lord, give me a deeper and a wider and a greater love for. And I, I mean, when I when we first got married, I used to I used to name, Lord, make my love to increase and abound for Leslie. Lord, make my love to increase and abound for my and I would name all my children. When I'm praying for my spiritual child, I pray, I, I mention them by name. Make my love because I don't look to them as my source to make my love to increase, right? If I'm if I'm if I'm dependent, if my love is dependent on how good my wife treat me, what if she have a bad day? What if she burned the fried chicken that day, right? What if she don't work it like I wanted to work it that morning, right? <laughs> what, what what happens then? What happens then? <laughs> I knew I knew baby would like that. I knew she would like. That. I knew she would like that. That's why I said it. What happens? What happens then? You go, you all right, sis? What happens then? <laughs> do my love not increase? What happens then? Do I do I lose love? That's why she can't be my source of love. Right? right? My source has to be God. But then, but then my 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 dis, my dispensing of love has to be totally on her. Right. That's that's how it works. I don't look to you to make my love to increase in the bound. What's the same thing in, in, in that scenario we just we just talked about is um, when I when I when I'm at a place to where I'm I'm determining how much of my intimacy I allow you to see based off how you behave. I'll never open up because one day you're going to do this and then the next day you might do that. Mm-hmm. One day I'm going to be opening up to you. Next day I'm closing. That's not how love works. That's not how love works. Love's, 
love actually, you have to be connected. The Bible says a threefold, a threefold cord. There has to be a threefold cord. There's the husband, the spouse, and then there's God. Right? Love was designed, marriage was designed to work with God involved. So, and God is love, right? So whenever God, whenever the Bible talks about God is a particular thing, that means he's the source of it. Like you got to go to the source. Right? You can't go to resources or reservoirs of love and, and take from that, you know? And so once we get beyond the point of seeing the person we love as my source of love, then we're on our way to having a great marriage or great relationship. So I know that we've been talking a lot about the man being held responsible for a lot of things, but let's talk about the, the woman. There's a, there's a lot of women now who are the head of their households. Mm-hmm. So when a man decides to, to come in and lead, she has to learn how to let him do that. Correct. How is salvation the solution to changing her mindset and her behaviors to letting that man lead? Right. So the easy answer to that is love. Right. The easy answer would be um, the Bible says, let love be without dissimulation. In other words, don't 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 interrupt loves. There's a rhythm to love. There's a rhythm to it. There's a flow to it. There's a rhythm to love. Don't interrupt love's natural rhythm. Like love will move you. Paul said the love of God constraineth us. The love of God, you know, have us to do this or tells us not to do this or makes us to say this or have us not to say this. There's a rhythm to love. When you love according to love's rhythm, then everything will flow, right? So that would be the first thing. Now, now what they would have to take place within this particular woman would be a renewing of her mind. There has to be a renewing. There has to be a process of her saying, okay, things were done this way because I was single. But now I'm taking on a husband. Now things will have to be done this way. And it's vice versa for a man. And, you know, if a man is established the same way. But when it comes to a woman, it's, you know, there's something about, there's something about um, submission that's powerful. We've, we've presented submission as a, as a form of weakness. Here, here's, what I, here's what I say. And, and we'll close with this. Here's what I say. I want to read it. There's a scripture in Peter that gives the woman all of the assurance she needs. Here's how salvation solves that issue. Uh, first Peter. Is it first Peter three? First Peter three. I want to say, let's see. Yeah, let's get to it. Um, likewise, listen, listen, listen. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with your wife according to knowledge. That's that's a deep word. That's a that's a that's a that's a comprehensive knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife. Listen, as not is, but as the weaker vessel. In this case, the weaker vessel was in reference to um, a vessel that that was cracked or was broken and needed special attention. That don't mean she is a weaker vessel. Right. We confuse that, too. Right. And being heirs. I mean, I mean, that word as a weaker vessel um, means to honor. Honoring the wife. That means that means that means nobody, nobody gets gets a higher value or is more valuable than my wife. That's that's the idea of honoring. That would honor that don't mean to acknowledge her as your wife. No, that means she's the most valuable person in my life. That's what that means. She's the most valuable person. In, I mean, nobody comes before her. Nobody gets more attention than her. Man. You talking about man? <laughs> they don't understand the design of prayer. Everything about your life was designed to go through your fellowship with God. See that God says, if you if 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 you don't treat her right, then your intimacy with me ain't gonna be right. I got a problem with you. If if you don't love her and honor her and make her the most valuable person in your life, 
Don't come to me talking about what you want, what you need. <laughs> no, 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 no. Fix that. Right. <laughs> Get that right first. Right. Man, you talk about you talk about a clause. You talk about an insurance clause for the woman, for her to be like, okay, I've been running all things all my life, but you know I'm gonna relinquish the leading of my life to him. Listen, First Peter, chapter three, <laughs> verse seven. You put First Peter three seven on him. You better get him you right. Put, you put First Peter three seven on him. Get it right. Listen, if you don't treat me right, and she's just you don't treat me right, your life gonna be all screwed up. See, and that's interesting because somebody would say that sounds so prideful for a woman to say. She can, they can think that all they want. That's humility. That's humility. If you don't so treat me right, my father going to hinder your life, your prayers. That's the root of the manifestation of the goodness of God in your life is your prayer, is your, is your prayer life. It's your prayer life. The root of your, the root of the, they said the grace of God. Do we realize the grace of God is how you do what you do and, yeah. and what God has called you to do? If you don't treat me right, if you don't honor me, if you don't make me the, the more the most valuable person in your life, I'm your MVP. <laughs> if I'm not your MVP, if I'm not your most valuable player, forget about your prayers being answered. Right. You talk about a clause, an insurance clause. Get the whole team of prayers up. Listen, <laughs> shut it down. Gotta shut this thing down if you mistreat me. So she ain't got nothing to worry about. But she got to believe this. Yeah. yeah. See, the verses before that talks about Sarah's daughter being a woman that's not struck with amazement. So when he ain't acting right, that don't mean cuss him out, go off on him, tell him he ain't this. No, if you sit back there and say, okay, I'll be back. <laughs> I'm going to my prayer room. <laughs> Daddy, you see how he treating me? You see what he doing to me? Cut him off. And if that man see that prayer room door closed, he... No, what is me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cut him off. Yeah, yeah. No, but but she said, but if you struck with amazement and you start going off, cussing, calling this and that, uh, God gonna say, okay, you have it. You You know what? That actually speaks to what is that movie that Priscilla Shire came out with? The War Room, I think it's called. Yeah, the War Room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, That 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 actually shows how powerful. But 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 the salvation in in that case, the solution is First Peter, the third chapter, the seventh verse. God will hinder this man's life. He'll, he'll put his life on hold. Right? Folk come to me talking about some um, woman come to me talking about my husband ain't treating me. I said, and I go talk to him. I said, listen, you, you, you must don't value your prayers. <laughs> you tell her, dude, you, you must don't value your prayer life. You treat her how, how you treat her? Oh, you must don't value your prayer life. You ain't got no prayer life then. You know right then. That's the root of the problem. The root of the problem. Is your prayers being hindered because you ain't treating her right. Man, you talk about a clause for a woman, yeah. but we don't know. Women, our women don't know this. Right. Mm. That's why they be putting the dukes up. They don't know this. <laughs> yeah. That's why they get vicious with the tongue because they don't, they don't know the scripture. When you decide to fight for you, God says, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait till you get done fighting. When you get done fighting, when you get done fussing at him, then I'll step in. Yeah. Right? But if you, if you was as Sarah and be, become a Sarah's daughter or a woman of spirituality, then you'll know. Okay, no, 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 I ain't got to fight for me. I ain't got to fight for me. I ain't got to get out of who God has called me to be. I ain't got to get out of character. I ain't got to do that. I'm going to my prayer closet. And you know what? I wish that people wouldn't see that as a prideful thing because that is such that that takes such strength for a woman to actually sit back and let God fight for her instead of lashing trying oh, to. Oh, that's, that's power. That's power. But there's that's a piece power. in that too. Like, that's power. Yeah. Listen, listen. You, 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 let me hear you not telling this next joker that. Listen, if you don't treat me right, your prayer is gonna be hindered. No, you better be telling him that. <laughs> if you don't do right by me, listen, your life's gonna be all screwed up. <laughs> 
You're going to be com confused and twisted up and your plans ain't going to work. Your business is going to fail. All that kind of stuff. Because you, because you ain't treating, you ain't giving me the honor that God told you to give me. That's how this thing works. See, we just got to learn how to work it. We got to learn to leverage the salvation God has given us. We just don't know how to work it. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We got to start a master's class called uh, Working Out Your Own Salvation. Like in every aspect, marriage, business, you know, uh, husband and wife, I mean, uh, relationship, father, parenting. Like salvation is a solution. There's a master's. There's a, we got to learn to master our salvation. Paul speaks of mastery. Like we strive for the mastery of our salvation. Right. And, and working, working, working the marital structure. We got to know how to work it. I got to know how to be a wife. Listen, that's a powerful position. See, he has to do that because he told you to be in subjection. If he told you to be in subjection, then he's going to protect you. Man. All right. We got to go. <laughs> Right. Um, so make sure on YouTube, you su you subscribe, you comment, you like, yes. you share. Let us know if this was helpful to you. Let us know any questions yes. or anything that is on your mind. Um, this has been another episode of Salvation Solutions. Until next time, continue to be blessed and continue to be safe. Up, up, up.